0: So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be
1: couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's
0: not your fault.
2: Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me.
1: So, how's this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk.
3: Hi, I'm Dr. Sam, and I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome
4: to Freudian Scripts, the podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch and take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We
3: analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes
4: seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. Thanks for joining us for our fiftieth session. We have been doing this podcast Ooh. for three years now, and are in the middle of our fourth season. So we are super excited wow. to be celebrating our milestone today by putting a special special comedy on the couch today.
3: Fifty first dates.
0: Doctor Henry Roth's best relationships were with his patients, and he wasn't looking to settle down. But one day, the unthinkable happened.
1: Ah! The light black like Are you staring at me or her? cause you're starting to freak me out And we see Oh Henry Roth, nice to meet you yeah.
2: Lucy was in a terrible car accident. She lost her short-term
1: memory. She won't remember him tomorrow. You and I are actually seeing each other.
0: Don't worry, you're not going to suffer any short-term memory loss. But was your head shaped like an egg before she hit you?
1: Now, the guy who's afraid of commitment... I just want to try something that'll help her remember me. It's a
0: videotape.
1: During this reenactment, you will be played by...
0: Aloha! Sorry about your brain. (laughs) ...is going to extremes... Okay, pal. When she stops, just let her pet you. Look (laughs) cute. ...to get the
1: girl. Do you have any idea who I am? I've never even met you. (laughs) Come on! gonna be all
2: right, Liz. Don't
1: call me Luz. I barely know you. Sweetie, you're sort of dating him. Sorry, I'm not better looking. 50 First Dates.
3: So as you heard from the trailer, 50 First Dates is a 2004 romantic comedy focused on the story of Henry Roth, who is played by Adam Sandler. He is a marine veterinarian who is usually more accustomed to dating casually, before he falls for an art teacher named Lucy, who is played by Drew Barrymore. However, Henry discovers that Lucy has amnesia and forgets him every night when she falls asleep. So he kind of resolves to win her over again each day. Um, And of course, hijinks ensue.
4: And first of all, I'm shocked that this movie is 20 years old at this point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but you can kind of tell by the trailer, like trailers just aren't made like that anymore. <laughs> like such a long
3: drawn exactly. out
4: um, with the like voiceover. It just, yeah. brings you back to the early 2000s.
3: Voiceover. I feel like the music choice, it does do a nice job though, kind of, of highlighting the overall story arc of the movie.
4: <laughs> yeah. So as, as we kind of hear from the trailer, we start the movie with Henry meeting Lucy at a diner, very typical rom-com where, He, you know, sees her from across the room and thinks she's very beautiful and kind of wanders over and tries to, you know, come up with some pickup line and they end up building a little house out of waffles or a waffle house, if you will, together. (laughs) So they have this, you know, really nice day and they seem to really hit it off. And then he comes back to the diner the next day, really excited to see Lucy again. And she doesn't seem to remember him, which he is kind of the master (laughs) of coming up with excuses not to remember or continue relationships. So he just assumes that she's making this whole thing up and does remember him. But then he does end up learning from someone else in the diner what really happened. What's happening? Is she crazy or something? Lucy. Lucy is a very special
2: person. Very different from other people. Okay. About a year ago, Lucy was in a terrible car accident. She and her father went up North Shore to get a pineapple. Her father broke some ribs, but Lucy suffered a serious head injury. She lost her short-term memory.
1: So she can't remember anything?
2: No, 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 no. She has all of her long-term memory. That's a different part of the brain her whole life up to the night before the accident she remembers she just can't retain any new information it's like her slate gets wiped clean every night while she sleeps hold
1: on here this sounds like something i would tell a psycho girl so she would stop calling me am i the psycho girl
2: i wish i was making this up she has no memory that she ever met you
1: what about the pineapple chicken thing
2: She says that every day because each morning she wakes up thinking it's October 13th of last year. She comes here for breakfast because that's what she did on Sundays, and October 13th was a Sunday. She has no idea it's more than a year later.
1: She reads the newspaper, though.
2: It's a special paper her father puts on their porch every night. It's from the day of her accident. He got hundreds of them printed up. Lucy does the same thing every
4: day.
3: So once Henry learns that Lucy does the same thing every day, what do you think he decides to do? Run. (laughs) That would be, I feel like the old Henry, but here he actually decides to meet her each day and he kind of comes up with a new and elaborate way to meet her once he realizes that building the Waffle House doesn't work a second time. Um, So he, you know, goes as drastic as pretending that he can't read and like sobbing in the diner. Um, And, He's really doing this, we get the feeling, because he likes Lucy, wants to establish a relationship with her. We also learn that Lucy's father and brother, like we heard in this clip, she has a special newspaper. Well, They really go to great lengths to set Mm -hmm. up and reset each day for her. And this includes like watching The Sixth Sense over and over again, Um, which we also cover on the podcast. And maybe isn't the best movie to watch every night. Um, Refilling shampoo bottles, painting over her art, And so really, they kind of help to maintain that she relives the same day over and over.
4: Yeah. And at this point, it's been going on for a year. So you can imagine it's been 365 days of them watching The Sixth Sense, eating the same pineapple upside down cake. Staying up after she goes (laughs) to bed to like paint over her stuff, refill the shampoo bottles like it just gives you a little bit of insight into how much work and effort the family is putting in to try to take care of her but also not upset her and not confuse her and just trying to keep her as happy as possible um, with this condition that she has.
3: Very true. And I think it's the family and others that care for her, because even the, um, you know, the people at the diner, they're kind of in on it. They kind of Mm -hmm. watch out for her. They help give her the same newspaper every day. (laughs) Um, They do try to protect her from Henry too. They kind of see that maybe Henry being interested in her could, you know, offset the balance that they've all created. Um, And we do see that things kind of there's kind of a wrench thrown in things, so to speak, when one morning when Henry is trying to, you know, kind of woo Lucy or win her over, she gets um, a ticket on her car. And so she runs outside and it kind of all comes, you know, flooding to her that it's, she doesn't know that what the correct date is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of starts to learn the truth.
4: Yeah. And you can tell that this has been an experience that she's had before because the dad, the, the, um, Sue who is at the diner calls the dad and then the dad, you know, yells at the brother, like it's one of her bad days. And they like come prepared knowing that she sometimes figures out that she has amnesia and that it's not the same day that it was a year ago. Um, And so they kind of have a prepared plan for how they handle those bad days quote that they call it. And in this day in particular, what they end up doing, and apparently she has done this many times before is that she really wants to go talk to the doctor because it's hard for her to believe that this is, truly permanent and that there's no cure. And so she really wants to hear it for herself, even though apparently she has heard it multiple times.
3: And Henry's there and he's like, you know, I want to hear from this doctor as well. So they do go, you know, they decide to go see the doctor again so that Lucy can talk to him, hear a little bit more about her diagnosis and you know, what has happened to her. So let's listen to the doctor's description.
0: Right, Lucy, these are your brain scans here. I'm afraid they show no improvement. The temporal lobe was severely damaged in the accident but what we believe is the scar tissue here is impairing your ability to convert short-term memory into long-term memory while you sleep. The condition has come to be known as Goldfield syndrome. Uh, Who's Goldfield? A brilliant Lithuanian psychiatrist. Uh, He himself suffered temporal lobe damage. That took him four years to publish his findings because he had to keep starting over from scratch. (laughs) Obviously your sense of humor is still intact and that's, that's here.
4: So here we get a little bit more of the medical perspective on what, Physical damage was caused during the accident and the doctor mentions temporal lobe damage um, being the primary cause. And he references Goldfield syndrome, which is not actually a condition. We'll just go ahead and throw that out. That was completely made up yeah. for the purposes <laughs> of this movie.
3: Yes. I feel like there are a couple of things that stood out to me, like super impressive that she just walked into this clinic and they were able to get a scan and have the doctor interpret it all on the same day. True. Very good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> But also, yes, this Goldfield syndrome, you know, is it's a made up diagnosis. It's a made up backstory. Um, And what's interesting is that Lucy's the way they present or the way that Lucy is shown in terms of her amnesia is kind of consistent with a type of amnesia that we'll get into more. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just kind of interesting that while they made up this, they made up this fake diagnosis, even though there is something more in line. um, But I think it kind of goes in line with what we see a lot of times in these like made for Hollywood movies. It's more hyperbolic. This is obviously a comedy um, I always wonder too, when I hear goldfish, if it's supposed to be almost like a pun, like on, or gold filled rather that it's supposed to be a pun, like on goldfish. Cause you know, mm-hmm. the jokes about like goldfish memories. So I think that this is just trying to, you know, it's obviously not a truly scientific or medical movie. And so maybe this is their way of just saying like, look, this isn't a real thing that we're showing, but there are some consistencies with what we might expect. And we'll definitely get more into those soon.
4: Yeah, I think that's a good transition into talking a little bit more about memory and how that is consistent or inconsistent with what we're seeing with Lucy. So, when we think about memory, you know, Dr. Sam and I could spend like an entire hour podcast talking about like all the different types of memory. When I was thinking about when I was pulling some Information for this episode, it made me think a little bit of Inside Out, which we haven't covered yet, but we might in the future, because there are some scenes that go through a lot of um, like the detail, more details about like the different types of memory and how memory, you know, works, Mm -hmm. but in a fantasized way. Um, But we'll just briefly do an overview of some of the different types of memory and specifically the ones that are most relevant for when we're talking about um, the situation that Lucy's in.
3: Exactly. And I want to also just throw out there, memory is very complex, you know, as most brain functions are. It's super complex. There are a lot of pieces to it. And honestly, you know, we don't even really 100% understand Um all of the aspects and facets of memory. So this is something, you know, that is highly complex. So this is going to be really an overview for the sake of getting a better understanding of memory so then we can kind of understand when things go wrong with memory. Um, And when we mention memory, we're really talking about the ability to kind of hold on to, so to retain and recall information from one's past. Um, And there are really three main stages of memory and how we kind of create memories. um, And that is encoding, storage, and retrieval. So, when we start off with encoding, this is really when your brain is taking in information from the environment and then it converts that information into a form that it can then store. Um, And this is usually held in what we call short term memory first. So, you know, a lot of times, like if you're trying to remember like someone's name or digits of a phone number, you know, you kind of hold that into short term memory and then that is later encoded into a form that can then be stored into the brain for longer term use.
4: Yeah, I think that's a good description and we'll come back uh, a bit to encoding and whether we're seeing that come up with Lucy or not. Um, so as Dr. Sam mentioned, there's three parts. The the second part we think of is more of like the storage. So when we take that information from the short memory and then are starting to store it into that long-term memory. Um, so that's kind of allowing us to then be able to access it later in the third phase, which we refer to as retrieval. So being able to recall that information that's now been stored into, into long-term memory um, and some information ends up getting moved and you know, stored and retrieved, and some information just stays in short-term and are encoding memory and never gets moved into that long-term memory storage phase.
3: Exactly. When we shift into learning more about different types of amnesia and the type of amnesia that we might be seeing with Lucy, we'll talk about where the deficits might be. Um, we did hear Lucy's doctor say that when she goes to sleep, Her short-term memories are not being encoded into long-term memory. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the explanation that they give for this quote-unquote gold-filled amnesia. Um, But it can be really complex as well. And you're hearing us use short-term, long-term, and working memory. And so short-term and long-term memory, those are really describing like how memory is stored rather like, you know, kind of just like it sounds like in the short-term for more like immediate use having just occurred or long-term. So things that have, you know... um, occurred maybe for further back and then that working memory which is how you're processing memory um, in the most immediate future to complete tasks
4: um, and another another piece of memory that we'll talk touch briefly on because it'll come up a little bit when we talk about some case examples of real people who have had amnesia is when we're thinking about long-term memory we can think of these as being somewhat divided into like declarative memory which is more of like facts of what things that you can actually like state or like a specific event. Um, specific information versus non-declarative or otherwise known as procedural memory. So this is when we're actually physically doing something. So an example is like learning how to ride a bike or learning how to work a phone. Those are things that would be procedural Mm -hmm. or non-declarative memory, like something that you learn how to physically do versus declarative memory being more of like facts based or, you know, things that you can, you know, say back, uh, repeat back or um, like specifically uh, recall a memory.
3: Yeah. So I think that's a decent overview of just the highlights of memory. Again, there is a lot that goes into this. Um, And so now let's kind of dive a bit deeper into the amnesia aspects and what we're seeing with Lucy and what we might really expect to see.
4: So when we are overall thinking of the word amnesia, I think a lot of people have heard that term, but maybe, you know, we can still define it here. And we'll we'll share a lot of these resources at, um, on our website because I know we're going through a lot of like, you know, medical terminology. But when we think about amnesia, we think about it as being a pretty drastic or dramatic form of memory loss. So this isn't just your ordinary forgetfulness, um, but something a little bit more profound. So this is typically being able to, uh, being unable to recall past information which is retrograde amnesia, which we'll get into in a second, um, or in Lucy's case, having a difficulty holding on to new information or anterograde amnesia. And again, this isn't like, oh, I forgot where I put my keys today, or, you know, I can't remember, um, you know, a specific date that I learned, you know, in my history class in high school. This is like profound memory loss of past information or um, new information.
3: And I think what's interesting is a lot of times in movie and TV shows, when they usually portray amnesia, what you'll see is like a character will have had some sort of traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. And then they'll wake up and they won't know who they are, right? They won't know anything about themselves. They won't have any history of memories, but then they might have like some random other memories. And that is what we see a lot in the media. And that's really not... In line or typical of what you would see. So what's interesting though, what we see with Lucy is that she does have a lot of her longer term memories. She can remember everything that happened before mm-hmm. the incident, before the car accident. She's really having trouble um, re- with memories that are being stored after that injury, right? right. So. Just as Dr. Fran described, this is what we would refer to as enterograde amnesia, and this is really when you're having difficulty forming new memories after that event that caused the amnesia, Um, and this type of amnesia is more common than retrograde amnesia, which we'll also briefly describe, just to be able to compare those two, Um, and We described a little bit about with memory, you know, how you go through those three stages of encoding the memory. So kind of taking that information and storing it and processing it so that it can be converted to long-term memory. Um, So anterograde amnesia is thought to involve a failure in that encoding process. Um, They also believe that there might be some difficulties in the retrieval process as well as retrieving those new memories. So there's definitely some portion of those stages um, that are being impacted in anterograde amnesia.
4: Mm -hmm. And that does reflect what we seem to see with Lucy in particular, that she seems to have more of this anterograde where, like Dr. Sam mentioned, ever since that accident, she can't recall new information that has been created, but she does still have previous information. And like Dr. Sam mentioned, we have like kind of the opposite or the, you know, complement to anterograde amnesia being retrograde amnesia. So this is typically when someone can't recall memories that were formed before the event that caused amnesia. This isn't to say they don't remember anything that happened before. Usually they can remember things that happened many, many years ago, um, but there's usually a period of time prior to the injury or whatever event caused the amnesia that they are unable to retrieve.
3: I also think it's interesting to highlight that when I was looking into this movie um, and you know, like when they came up with like the gold filled amnesia and just things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find some articles that stated that 51st Dates, this case that they portray with Lucy was loosely based on an actual case of a woman who had anterograde amnesia. And for 23 years, like after her a- accident that she um, had sustained, it was similar in that, you know, she was often forgetting like new things. So she remembered her husband, for example, because she had met him and knew him before the accident But a lot of things that were happening in her daily life, she wasn't able to encode or have those as memories. Um, And so I thought that that was interesting that it was loosely based on an actual case of amnesia. So it kind of makes sense, I think, versus some of those movies where we see where it's like, oh, someone wakes up and then just has a lot of, like, inconsistencies with their memory loss. I mean, there are obviously inconsistencies here as well. But I do think they kind of um, vaguely based it off of an actual case.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was one of the most interesting things when preparing for this episode of just looking at the different examples of like real case studies of people who have had different Mm -hmm. types of memory loss. And um, some of them, like Dr. Sam mentioned, like do kind of align with what Lucy's experience was. And the brain is just so complex. And like Dr. Sam said, the memory is so complex that... Each case is maybe slightly different, or how someone copes with it is different, or their recovery or management of it is really different. Um, But we actually get another example of a person with amnesia in the movie. Um, So if you remember 10 Second Tom, we can listen to a quick clip of his case.
0: Your condition is stable, but most likely permanent. But it could be worse.
4: Yeah, how?
0: I think you should meet 10 Second Tom. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce to you our most distinguished clinical subject, Tom. Uh, Hi, I'm Tom. Henry. Marlon. Doug. Fissy. Hi. Oh, those are cool flip-flops. Where'd you get them? You like those?
1: It's an interesting story. I was over on the north door the other day. Hi, I'm Tom. Huh?
0: Uh, Henry. Hi. Marlon. tom lost part of his brain in a hunting accident his memory only lasts 10 seconds i was in an accident that's terrible don't worry you'll totally get over it in about three seconds get over it i mean what happened did i get shot in the brain I... hi
4: i'm tom so I-, I thought this clip was really interesting or this character because it obviously is making light of a very serious situation and they're trying to like it's a comedy Fair. and um and you know part of me was like is how realistic is it that someone actually might have to you know <laughs> Is, mm-hmm. is having to repeat their memory every 10 seconds. And there actually is at least one case study that I found, maybe more that are out there, of someone um, that is, I don't know if they're loosely based off of, but he actually was referred to as 32nd Clive. Um, so Clive Waring, mm-hmm. this was someone who was a musician, um, like a piano player back, I believe, in the 1930s who had profound and irreparable brain damage to his hippocampus, which we know is associated with memory um, and especially consolidating short-term memory into long-term memory. And so he had both Mm anterograde amnesia, like we were just talking about with Lucy, so he couldn't make or keep memories, but also had retrograde amnesia. Um, So interestingly, he had both, um, even though most people tend to suffer from one or the other. So he had both and he did genuinely, um, kind of have to repeat or restart every 30 seconds. So in Lucy's case, even though it's a fictional example, we've got someone who every 24 hours, her memory is kind of resetting. But for Clive, it truly was every 30 seconds. Um, And we'll post some some links to this on the website. It's a really interesting case study um, because he you know, couldn't recall these short term memories, he could, but he could remember things like that he had children, but he couldn't remember their names. He didn't recognize them. Um, he mm-hmm. did recognize his wife who he had been with for many, many years, but he couldn't recall like their wedding day or any other like specific mm-hmm. memories of her. But he did, you know, recognize when she would come to visit him. He, you know, knew, recognized her face and knew that it was like a friendly person. So just really interesting um, to have like a real life example of the 10 second Tom that we see in the movie.
3: I agree. I feel like it, it is a very interesting um, case and also just very sad mm-hmm. to think about, right? Like, again, this is in the context of a comedy, but thinking about the real life implications for someone whose memory really only lasts about 30 seconds. yeah. Um, and then what types of their memory are impacted? Like if there are some of those, you know, the types of memory that impact like Your daily functioning, like activities that you have to do, but then also, like you mentioned, Dr. Fran, like his children and his wife. Um, An interesting thing I read in an article about Clive as well was that he had some memories and some, I guess, insight and recognition of the fact that he had amnesia. Mm -hmm. So they would ask him about like his experience with amnesia, and he was able to, you know, um, describe that experience. So he also had some awareness of his condition, which I think is really unique. Um, And his, you know, the damage to his brain was just so significant and on both sides of his brain. And then that damage to the hippocampus, as you mentioned, and it was all related to encephalitis. And so this is a very rare case. It's very rare that you would see both types of these amnesia in a person um, and also to just the severity. But you're right. You see this movie and you're kind of like, oh, well, that's obviously just like Mm -hmm. super silly. Um, But there are actual examples of similar types of amnesia and memory loss. Um, So I think another way in which you know, this movie kind of takes from things that are like, you know, true or could be true, but that um, just exaggerate it for a comedy. Um, but I think it's always important to kind of think about the real people and the real situation. Like, you know, I would hope there were a lot of ethical quandaries in this <laughs> clip as well that we don't have to get into for this doctor. But first, just like telling his patient like, oh, well, things could be way worse. I never really agree yeah. um, with that as a tactic. And then just taking her to another patient and introducing him and his like diagnosis and and difficulty. And then not really showing empathy for Tom, right? When he describes the accident and saying like, oh, you'll forget it anyway. So, you know, again, those are probably done for the sake of the movie, but um, just things to always kind of have
4: in the back of your mind too. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not the most ethical um, situation for many reasons, like you mentioned. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, that's, that's a good transition into thinking about, like, how do we handle or how is what is the management or the treatment like for people like this? We get a few nice scenes of in this care facility. So let's shift into talking a bit about how one manages or treats amnesia. So as we see in 51st
3: Dates, the family takes a potentially unique approach, right? (laughs) Um, They kind of just, you know, you see their intention. They really want to protect Lucy. They want to decrease like any distress that she might feel. Um, And so they just kind of let her relive and pretend that it is, what is it, October 13th um, or whatever the date may be, that they just kind of live that day over and over. Um, They go to pretty like um, pretty extreme measures to do that. Like you see them like with a shampoo bottle, like just with a droplet. Mm -hmm. So it's like just a certain amount. They rewatch the same football game, the movie, the same food, the same everything. Um, and it really is just to like not upset Lucy. Um, but you can kind of see like how their intentions, but really is it the best case because then she's just kind of like not really, it kind of takes away any autonomy I think, or any of her like choice or decision-making, uh and so you know that's one approach I don't think that that, that is the recommended treatment yeah. um, but it is the you know the treatment approach that we see this family take
4: Yeah. And I think it's probably because they just don't know what else to do, right? They want to keep her happy. It it probably is really distressing for them every time she has to go through the process of realizing what happened. And imagine if she has to do that every day and they have to support her. So you can imagine that it's like Mm -hmm. either way, it's very draining on the family. Um, But Henry kind of this Mm -hmm. like fresh set of eyes comes in and he really wants to try a different approach. So he ends up creating Mm -hmm. a video that he has her watch at the beginning of the day that explains the accident and how they know each other so let's take a quick listen to how he tries to explain that to her in video form
1: okay i think it's all. go go aloha i'm henry raw uh we met here at the pukilau cafe about a year after your accident um i like you and you like me most days every day is different but basically this is what happens lucy take the camera okay i got it done. don't drop it anyways I know you wish I was making all this stuff up. I wish I was, too. But the good news is there's so many people out there who care about you, your dad and Doug, and a couple of your friends here at the Hukilau who have a message for you.
2: Lucy, as you know, your mother and I were best friends. (laughs) That's why I promised her that I would always help look after you. Sometimes life isn't very fair. But we still have you. Oh, and if you were wondering uh, about this guy who's making this uh, tape, he's okay. So we
3: see that Lucy, or we hear rather, or see that Lucy is watching this video that Henry has made to her to kind of explain, you know, what has happened um, over the past year since her incident and her accident and who Henry is. And this idea is really born from the fact that the previous day when they went to the doctor and she kind of had to relive everything and kind of go through that, he kind of thinks like, well, why don't we just try to set her up for success like Mm -hmm. every day? Just kind of start off by letting her know what has happened um, and then like, you know, add to that every day like things that are important and she can kind of go from there. It does seem like Lucy, you know, takes to that idea because later on we find out that ever since they started showing her the video, she starts to keep a journal, like a written diary of every day that she also experiences. So in combination with the video, she starts to read the journal and kind of be able to live and remember at least through that medium since she's unable to do so.
4: Yeah. And I think the shift there does end up leading to maybe what could be more of a recommended treatment approach. So unfortunately, there isn't Mm -hmm. a cure or medication that can cure amnesia, especially of this nature with that that's related to brain damage or um, even some of the examples we mentioned before, like encephalitis. Um, But where is the ability to manage symptoms? Um, And so a lot of times when we're thinking about managing the condition, um, we're trying to improve the quality of life. So rather than just having her live the same day over and over again, can she still do things that are important to her, like develop relationships or um, maybe even have activities or hobbies or things that she enjoys doing that are more than just one day at a time? or just repeating the same activities every day. So again, there was also some really interesting case examples, which we'll post on the website, um, of a woman who had pretty severe uh, interrogator amnesia, somewhat similar to Lucy's, and she had all these different ways that she organized things so that she could continue living her life the next day not as if she was starting over so she would have for example like lists of like all the things she needed to do in the shower she would have it laminated and she would have a clothespin to mark like okay I washed my hair I put the clothespin there okay now I did the conditioner I put the clothespin there so she always could keep track of where she was in that activity Um, labeling all the things in the house of like what's in each drawer and cabinet, so you're not having to look for them every time Um, and in this case she actually had a like project manager job so she was able to work at a nine-to-five job where she had you know again a lot of Like sticky notes and like ways of organizing, kind of similar to the journal that um, Lucy kept. She also had a journal that she would kind of keep with different things that were going on. So I think this is a little bit more in line with like moving towards um, that. For some folks, depending on like the level of severity of the amnesia, people can learn to manage um, with the support of whether it's a care facility or their friends or family or caretakers.
3: I agree. And I think Dr. Fran, that's an important point too, kind of based on the level of support that the individual Mm -hmm. needs. Um, but there are other, um, examples of people using, you know, list post-it notes. There is also, I think, you know, in modern day, like technology, Mm -hmm. there are like apps that can help also with tracking things and memory and, uh, kind of that journal aspect that are now like used to kind of increase quality of life and help for that, like kind of tracking and maintaining records of those types of things. Um, I think relatedly, you know, we've kind of alluded to, but the impact that, um, you know, in the movie, for example, Lucy's amnesia, like the toll that it takes on her family, her friends, or even other Mm -hmm. like potential caretakers or relationships that Lucy or others with amnesia may have, um, you know, as we see in this movie, like we've talked about, this family goes at great lengths to kind of maintain, you know, the approach that they've taken um, and kind of reliving the same day over and over, but that's not really very realistic for family and right. friends, you know, to be able to put their own lives on hold to not, you know, go to work to not, you know, cause her family, um, Lucy's family are fishermen and she tells the story to Henry at one point where they would be gone for months on end um, and then come back and she really misses them. Um, and so, you know, they're not able to leave Lucy anymore, Mm -hmm. right. Because they have to kind of keep her in the current scenario that they've created. And so that is not really typically realistic for people to do or to maintain or to even, you know, try. Um, so more along the lines of the other options that Dr. Fran and I just discussed, like in helping like with the video, you know, or the journal or other ways to maintain memory. Um, if it gets to the point like what we saw with 10 Second Tom or other people who are just requiring higher levels of support, it could be realistic that they live in care facilities, um, similar to assisted living facilities, which really has an emphasis like on memory and that kind of functioning and quality of life and supporting them in that way,
4: like we saw in this movie. Yeah. And I think even Lucy picks up on that. So there's a scene where she actually overhears Henry talking about the implications on his career and and his goals. So let's take a quick listen to how, what she overhears in that situation.
0: So Henry, the boys tell me you're setting sail for Alaska to study walruses. When does that adventure begin?
1: Oh, that adventure actually began like 10 years ago. That's when I started planning
0: and saving and building my boat. All I know about walruses is that out of all mammals, they have the second largest penis. I have the first. (laughs) That's my joke.
1: Did you tell Lucy about this trip yet? Well, actually, there's nothing to tell because I decided not to go. I mean, Lucy needs me here. I'm just worried about going away for a year and ruining all the progress she's made. I mean, I know you think I'm crazy, but I think deep down inside she's starting to remember who I am.
0: No, Henry, that's what you want to believe. Hell, it's what we all want to believe. But it's never going to happen.
3: So this is that perfect example. You know, we hear here that um, Henry is making changes to his career and his plan, and willingly so, because he Mm -hmm. cares about Lucy and wants to be there for her. But what you don't see in this clip is Lucy is actually upstairs and she's hearing this. And she's kind of taking it in, and you see that she looks very sad because she starts to feel like, okay, well, now I'm a burden on Henry and I'm making him change his life and his goals and his dreams, because he has to stay and take care of me. Um, So this is kind of that, just like the toll that we were talking about. So not only, you know, how stressful it might be for the caretakers, but then the individual feeling like they may be a burden on their family members and friends.
4: Yeah. And, and, you know, it even goes so far as she actually ends up breaking up with him. So I think that same day or maybe the next day she ends up going and saying that she wants to end the relationship and it ends up being this like very touching, but sad, sequence of events Mm -hmm. where he actually helps her take her journal and put it into a like a virtual or a digital format and type it up but also erase all references to him so that she can still you know see the video every morning and and recall what's happening to her but she doesn't want to know that he existed because she wants him to be able to go on this trip to alaska and not have to stay back and take care of her so she's like dr sam said feeling like this immense amount of burden um, on that in that situation and, and wants to end that relationship which of course in a romantic comedy fashion there has to be some kind of you know rupture so that there can be a repair and like getting yeah. back together at the end um, I don't think it's a huge spoiler at this point <laughs> that spoiler they alert, Dr. <laughs> don't Brand. know how big of a spoiler <laughs> it is that they're going to end up together at the end <laughs>
3: There is, like, a really heartbreaking scene, too, after Henry helps Lucy, like, erase all traces of him. Um, She comes to the aquarium that he works Mm -hmm. at, uh, that he's a vet at, and he kind of, you can tell, he's a little bit optimistic. Like, well, maybe she remembers me. Is she going to have any, you know, is she going to recognize me? And it's very clear that she doesn't. She just kind of walks by him, not even a second glance. Um, And so he... and. And there's like a montage of scenes where he's showing up at her house. He doesn't really want to let go, right. but the family continues to tell him, like, doesn't need to. Like, she's made this choice. You have to move on. Um, it's also kind of interesting because in most relationships, you can't literally, like, erase the memory, right? right? So breakups kind of process differently. But here, she's just, like, erased the fact that she knew him, that they were ever together, um, which is obviously very complicated and very devastating for Henry, but he eventually, you know, takes the hint and he decides to go on his big trip to Alaska. Um, and when he's getting ready to, I don't know, I was going to say sail, but I don't know if that's the correct <laughs> kind of boat. But as he's getting ready to leave, you know, he's on this ship vessel um, and he's going to study the walruses. Um, Lucy's dad and brother show up and they just kind of, you know, it's kind of a meaning, a very meaning, like a uh, well-meaning visit. They want to yeah. give him gifts and like send him off. The dad makes a couple of comments um, that Henry has a really hard time uh, letting go of when he's on the ship. Let's li- let us give a quick listen to one of those.
1: How's Lucy?
0: Actually, she's living at the Institute.
1: When did that happen?
0: Three weeks ago. Said she didn't want to be a burden to me and Doug anymore. I couldn't talk her out of it. You know what? She's doing really great up there. She's Teaching an art class for the others, and she gets to paint every day. Heck, she's even singing again.
4: I think this is a perfect example of like what we're referring to with the care facilities often coming into play. And again, you can understand. And you know, I think there's probably maybe part of the dad and brother that like they get a little bit of their life back. And part of the dad is you know a little bit happy that he knows that she is able to teach an art class. And so we're seeing some of those like functional improvements there by her being in this facility where she can. Um, you know, kind of live a higher quality of life than maybe she was before.
3: Henry really like glues on to the ideas, though, that you know she's singing again and painting again, mm-hmm. and then it's also exacerbated by the fact that the dad gives him um, the Beach Boy song that she would sing yeah. on days that they spent time together. So then Henry gets it into his mind, like, wait, Lucy remembers me. <laughs> so you know, there's a whole scene where he's just like sobbing on the ship, listening to the
1: song. <laughs> Hi, <baby. laughs>
4: I love that scene. (laughs) It's just so exaggerated. I feel like
3: typical Adam Sandler comedy where he's just like crying and like screaming like, why? You know, (laughs) he's like, why would he do this to me? Um, So it is a, you know, it's a funny, sad scene. But he quickly turns the ship around and decides to go and find Lucy and see if she does in fact remember him. What do we think happens?
4: (laughs) I don't know, Dr. Sam. How do we think it turns out? Well, we know that realistically she can't, you know, obviously she isn't going to be cured unless we're also thinking about some like magical, you know, aspect of the movie. Um, So, and knowing that she probably can't completely remember him, like let's see how the movie uh, kind of weaves in some realistic aspects maybe of how this could have a happy ending. So let's hear how it ends.
1: See Whitmore? Can I ask you a question? Do you have any idea who I am? No. No. That sucks.
2: <laughs> What's your name?
1: I'm Henry.
2: Henry. I want to show you something. Will you come with me? Oh, yeah. This is my studio.
1: Wow.
2: Henry, that I dream about you almost every night.
1: Why? What would you say if I told you that notebook you read every day used to have a lot of stuff about me in it?
2: I would say that that makes a lot of sense.
1: You erased me from your memories because you thought you were holding me back from having a full and happy life but you made a mistake being with you is the only way i could have a full and happy life you're the girl of my dreams and apparently i'm the man of yours henry it's nice to meet you it's nice to meet you too
4: and obviously, there's a you know big, beautiful climactic kiss at the end.
3: <laughs> the fiftieth birthday uh, kiss, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, and what you don't see but you hear is Lucy takes Henry into the studio, and there's just a lot of paintings of Henry, or at you know similar resemblance to Adam Sandler, some not so kind <laughs> representations with just egg heads that are supposed to represent Henry. Um, But what we're led to believe here is that, you know, so Lucy doesn't remember him. She doesn't know his name. She doesn't have memories of their experiences together, but she's dreaming about Mm -hmm. him. And there's a part of her, you know, that does like quote unquote, remember him. And that's kind of like, is this just a big, like, oh, like um, exaggerated made for movie ending? Or could this be real? Like could someone in Lucy's situation have some kind of memories of Henry
4: I mean, from what I saw, maybe, but not exactly like this. Like, I didn't see any examples of people, yeah. like, dreaming of someone's face. Um, but yeah. they can, there there were some examples of people, like, maybe as they got into a routine, um, having certain, not memories, I, I don't think is the right word, but um, patterns of behavior. So, like, someone, again, like, could learn how to, like, paint or, you know. I think what's maybe coming through here more is that, like a shift in her mood. So when she is with Henry, she tends to be like singing more and painting more, which might be an indication of her like having a higher quality of life and being more fulfilled. So even though she may not remember like the string of days leading up to that, there's something that's still impacting her mood um, and her kind of like quality of life or happiness when she is in that relationship, which I think there could be some truth to that potentially.
3: Yeah, and I did see an argument to be made, like we mentioned early on, that with um, you know, with this type of amnesia, that there could be a difficulty in encoding, you know, new memories, so that they do get processed to your long-term memory. Um, but there also may be deficits in retrieving or mm-hmm. accessing those memories. And I think that this scene is kind of alluding to that. Like, okay, maybe there is some part of her brain that is storing some pieces of right. this, but that she's not actually able to recall those. Um, as one typically would. And then it kind of goes into the more like fantastical realm of, okay, she's dreaming of right. him because she loves him. Right. So, um, but I agree, you know, there are aspects of this that aren't totally um, inaccurate, but also not what we would likely expect to see. But they, you know, she sees him and it's the egg man of her dreams <laughs> and they kiss. And then next thing we see, she's on the ship with him. Um, it appears like somewhere in Alaska, like a very cold place. And this is definitely a spoiler alert if you have not seen this movie 20 years ago. But, you know, um, it seems like the family has now made her updated videos and they're married and they have a child. Mm -hmm. And she wakes up every day and watches the video and then joins her family. So, you know, it seems like things worked out for Lucy and Henry. Yeah, seems like they
4: did. (laughs) Well, I think like a, a fun movie to put on the couch and a fun movie to celebrate our 50th episode with 51st dates. So, Dr. Sam, what are your overall impressions of this movie?
3: Oh my gosh, of course you asked me first. Um, <laughs> Gotta come in quick. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Dr. Fran actually had, I think early oh, yeah. on, like, about three years ago when we were planning the podcast this is one of like the first movies you had like added to our list right to cover like when we wanted to do amnesia i remember and we were always like trying to find a way for it because there are other movies that we want to cover Mm -hmm. that uh, also talk about amnesia or different things with the brain and so we thought this made a lot of sense for our 50th episode i think you know rewatching it because it was a movie that was very familiar to me i feel like i watched it a lot when i was younger or it was like on tv a lot you know Mm -hmm. um you definitely have to enjoy Adam Sandler's uh, type of comedy, right? It's a very um, uh, Adam Sandler movie, yeah. which, you know, I do. Like, it's very silly. Um, I think also, it being from 2004, there are some problematic aspects, especially in the way that they portray um, uh, a lot of the, I don't know what you would call it, like, I guess side characters Um, but the aspect of the movie that I enjoy is I do think that Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, they have a nice chemistry together. And it's funny because recently there's been a debate of who is the better like movie wife to Adam Sandler. Is it Drew Barrymore or Jennifer Mm. Aniston? And so when I rewatched this movie, I definitely was on team uh, Drew Barrymore. (laughs) I just think they have a cute, silly, um, chemistry on screen. And I do think that the actual like love story rom-com, rom-com part of it is pretty cute. And also, I really wish that I could meet a walrus, so I liked that part, too. (laughs) What about you, Dr. Paul?
4: Yeah, I remember when this movie came out, I really liked it. And at that time, in the early 2000s, I was very into Adam Sandler humor, right? Like, thought it was hilarious. And I feel like it is a little bit more geared towards, I mean, obviously, older audiences like it, but there's something about the, like, Type of humor he does that I think definitely appeals to maybe like a teenage young adult audience yeah. in particular. Um, and we were younger yeah. when we watched it first. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that at, t- at that time in my life, it makes sense that I thought this movie was hilarious. I think it surprised me rewatching it that it was like had more depth to it in terms of like the themes of you know sacrificing for family and like just how much how the lengths mm-hmm. that both Henry and her family go to to like take care of her. And um, so I think that is like a sweet touching, heartfelt piece of it that you don't always get in every Adam Sandler movie, although they all have some, like, usually they have some, some aspects, kind of aspects yeah. of that. Um, I definitely, I anticipated that this movie probably didn't age well with cultural insensitivities mm-hmm. and that was definitely the case. So um, yeah, definitely some really problematic portrayals of like uh, Pacific Islanders or Hawaiian people in the film, yes. uh, people mm-hmm. played by non Hawaiian people. I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, I mean like overall, oh, and I was really impressed, like you said, with the animals of just like the training of like the walruses, like do so many things and even the penguins. So that is pretty cool. And I do remember thinking that was really cool. Um, (laughs) when I first saw this movie as well,
2: that was
3: cute. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, that all the animals were treated fairly, but, and, you know, appropriately, but one of the things I thought was interesting and looking back into the movie, they do have um, a lot like interviews with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore and, apparently this movie was initially pitched as more of a drama. So I think hmm. that's why you get some more of that, you know, those themes of like family and sacrifice and burden. Interesting. And, um, and then Adam Sandler, I think, you know, um, I think his production company like bought the movie and then adapted it a little more comedy. And then Drew Barrymore was apparently very excited. Like when she had read the script and saw like kind of more of the depth and like the Mm -hmm. romance aspect, like she was very excited to be attached to the project. So I think it like evolved and, you know, based on kind of those elements. So very interesting when you revisit a movie you haven't seen in so long. um, And then you kind of do a little bit of a deep dive into some of the aspects like, you know, like the amnesia piece or even just what was kind of, um, you know going on when they were making the film it's always really cool when we take these movies and put them back on the couch and uh, examine them in those ways yeah and now time for our dsm5
4: diagnosing shows and movies are you going to make me so now you're going <laughs> to you're going to make me go first cuz i made you go first
3: and and i'll say like this one wasn't as psychologically forward in terms of themes. So I think when we're rating this one, maybe really just thinking about the amnesia and the treatment aspects around Lucy that we talked about, like rating that in terms of its potential accuracy or not accuracy. Yeah.
4: I (laughs) mean, it actually, like the more research I did, the more it actually did seem more accurate than I expected it to be. Um, I do have to ding it some for the doctor portrayal because he had some like pretty blatant (laughs) unethical moments. So maybe a three. I was debating between a three and a four. Mm -hmm.
3: I actually was going to go three because I agree. I think the Amnesia pieces were more accurate the more I read Mm -hmm. into it and rewatched it, but the treatment aspects, right? The whole movie is around this fact that they kind of just trick her into living the same day over and over, which, you know, allows for the comedy aspects. But I think that that obviously would not be the recommendation. Um, uh, But then it kind of shifts to some more realistic potential techniques. So, you know, in terms of the amnesia bits it's not horrible but you know not totally in line but i think surprising to most people that watch this movie and think of it as a silly comedy i think most people would be surprised to learn that some of those aspects of the um, of the portrayal of amnesia and lucy are are fairly accurate so i think that that's interesting yeah
4: definitely yeah who would have thought that Fifty yeah. First dates had some accurate portrayals of mental health uh slash like medical themes
3: yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not gold filled, but it is, you know, <laughs> a great amnesia. So,
4: <laughs> well, thank you so much for tuning in to our fiftieth episodes and all the other ones that have come before this one today. Um, we are super yes. excited about our next fifty episodes and what we have in store for them. Mm.
3: Yeah. And as always, we'd love to hear any questions that you might have about psychology, any ideas or clips from
4: movies or TV shows that you'd like us to put on the couch and break down next. As always, find and follow us on social media at Freud Scripts Pod. And please subscribe, rate, and review. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon. Creative director, Eric. At Webmaster Dog. That's a wrap. <laughs>